Welcome to the Life on Repeat podcast with me, Laura Valancourt, licensed mental health counselor, geriatric mental health specialist, and dementia coach. I'm so happy that you found us. Well, hi, everybody. It is so great to be back. And I'm really excited about our conversation today. I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Nicole Burgess. And Nicole is a clinically trained soul-led leadership coach. And she works with highly sensitive professional women leaders. She's also the host of the Soul-Filled Sisterhood podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. I, I admit I'm a big fan She's also the founder of the Self-Care Summit, Improve Your Bottom Line and Your Persona. Nicole, welcome to our podcast. We are so happy to get to have a conversation with you today. Well, thank you so much for having me on, Laura. I'm so excited to be here. Great. great. Well, I have to share with our audience, I've had my own personal experience in getting to work with you. And I am, uh, I always take so much away from our conversations and our work together. And, and again, your podcast was one boy, I followed it regularly for a very long time and still refer to many of your episodes. Do you mind just tell us a little bit about yourself? I just kind of want to warm us up a little and get the audience a, a chance to get to know you a little. Yeah. So I have been a licensed marriage and family therapist in various states for going on almost 20 years now, which is hard to believe. I've been doing some coaching now, probably the last five years. It's not like my full-time job, but it's definitely a, a big chunk of things at times. And then I've been podcasting on and off. Wow. This has been a long time because even before Soulfield Sisterhood, I'd had another podcast and just lots of experience, get a lot of topics coming in from clinical clients, coaching clients and different themes and thought they would be important to share with others, right? In a bigger scale. Cause I know often I've been asked like, are you going to write a book? No, I don't like writing. So no, even though there's been thoughts of like, yeah, maybe I'll write a book. No, no, I won't. <laughs> Podcasting was the easiest way to really get messages out. And it gave me an opportunity to, to even grow my own confidence level by reaching out to people I didn't know. I, you and I had a couple conversations on the Soul Filled Sisterhood, which I know over the years I've worked with folks who have dealt with aging parents and what comes with that. And where do I go? And I'm like, oh, you got to listen to the one I chatted with Laura on this one or this one, you know, on Laura's. And we're going to now go out to your podcast and listen to that because there's tons of information. So over the years, it's been fun. I'm a constant learner, grower, and most of the people that I work with are too. And so that's fun that you continuously want to up-level yourself in a way and continue to have conversations with others so that you don't get stuck in your own blindness, right? And we keep the dialogue going so we can really help heal different parts of our country, parts of our world, and humanity in general. And we treat everyone with respect no matter what. Love that. You made me think of, uh, I just did a, a presentation last week for the Adult Family Home Council of Washington State. It, it was really fantastic. And I opened the presentation with this concept that in order to change a culture, you need to change individuals first. Beautiful. And yes. I, what you're saying just really resonates with that, that we have all these things going on in the world on a large scale, this macro level, and then even on a micro level in our own lives and families for those that are caring for family members. 
And we can take it in even deeper into our own personal journey and our own personal change. And so you're just a great person to be talking to about this. So thanks. (laughs) And I also happen to know, I just want to throw this out too, because I know something that really feeds your spirit is your textile work. Yes. And I think it's important to address that so that the rest of us out there remember that there are different avenues that we can tap into that really feed our spirit. So it is a lot of highly sensitive people. They are known also for their creativity. And I know people who are non-HSPs can also be extremely creative, but there's something about for me that I've been doing it since I've been a young girl in some form or fashion, something, you know, I've been doing some textile stuff. And I know the work with humans is while it's creative, it's not tactile. Right. And I also know for me, I need that tactile piece. So last year I ended up creating another business. So I'm like going on three businesses, but (laughs) it's like, you know, why not? And so I called and I've got my little things up here. It's called the creative soul fiber arts and it's an LLC. And then I go by doing business as is the Nicole Burgess textiles. And I'm slowly been doing weaving probably now seven years or a little more and getting more confident in the different types of fibers. So I can totally do cottons. Now I'm working in with Tencel, which is like a silkier kind of material and and doing that and getting into more complex types of weaving. And I just love it. I love watching how the cloth is forming. And in our work that we do, we don't typically get to see the beginning, the middle and the end. And I do with my textiles. So I get the full product and it's just, it's very rewarding to me. And I just love creating the color. I love creating another way of beauty that we add back into the world and not letting this type of modality die, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, I know there's thousands of weavers and they're all over the country, over the world, I mean, but it's not letting this type of thing die, like just go to the wayside. It's yeah, it's ancient art. So I love the, the symbolism or, or maybe the, the idea of weaving as a metaphor and, mm-hmm. and what you said about that there's a beginning, a middle and an end. I think that that's so important for people. And again, I'm thinking about our caregivers who are in on this kind of endless journey. Yes. It doesn't feel like there's an ever an end in sight where the end may not feel so good because the end might be someone's death. And Correct. so I can see having an activity or a source of creative outlet in which you can tap into that other, yeah. realm, that other piece. Yeah. And one thing I, this is just totally off the cuff and I know it doesn't have nothing to do with our questions, but part of it is when you were saying that for the caregivers out there, if they feel like it's an ongoing struggle at times or that there's the permanence of death, because we know we all are going to die at some point in time. One way that I've told clients over the years is to create like scrapbooks, create memory books. So if you have pictures of your parents, grandparents, those that you're caring for loved ones, get it as young as you possibly can. So there's their beginning the middle where you are in it. And then the end, when they actually do die, you've now got a full range and stories to tell who to whoever, and that can be passed on to the next generation, but that can also feel very fulfilling for yourself to see here's part of my heritage. Here's where I've come from. And here's, you know, what it was left for me. Here's the story that was being weaved, right? Yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that because sometimes ideas are presented like that. 
but when you apply it to this deeper meaning mm-hmm. of a reflection of again weaving through someone's life called like the tapestry right it's the tapestry. ongoing creating the pictures and and tapestry is done different than weaving it they're different modalities in a sense but again it's a tapestry of life you've got starts things that break times in between but you can still create various pictures create various meanings through those moments for me nicole i have to admit i'm one of those people that I should say, I'm using quotes here, used to think of myself as not a creative person. <laughs> I, I would challenge that. <laughs> you were going to do that. That's what I had to say with quotes. <laughs> and just the way you describe that just now, I get that. Like mm-hmm. I get when the idea of putting meaning into the work, into the yeah. craft, that speaks to me. And I could see myself really getting into an activity or a craft or a project with that intention. So thanks for bringing that up. I know that wasn't on our our topic. It wasn't, but if you also think about it, right, we're known as storytellers. Now I, I often say, I don't think I'm a great storyteller, but again, stories come out in various forms and fashions. And so if you're not a picture taker or video taker, or you don't like to do that, then write the story. There are so many creative ways to document life, itself, the stages, the ups, the downs, the tragedies, when you're kind of in it so much, it's hard to kind of see maybe a bigger picture, but those part of what we're talking about today too, is that self-care piece is zooming out and let me reflect on what did go well over the life. Even if, you know, I'm caring for this person right now and it's so challenging, so hard, where's my moments of just like, oh, that brought me joy. That brought me, I felt very loved those sort of things. It's like, it's okay to have glimpses of that and jot it down, just put it on paper, stick it in a journal so that another day you'll set aside and, you know, spend an hour just typing some of those memories up. Yeah. I want to highlight that point. I think you're bringing such a great perspective, right? Perspective is everything. And, and so often when we are overburdened and overworked and stressed out and we're, we're so in it that we can't see, we can't, it's hard to pan out and see the bigger picture, but the idea of doing that, the idea of taking a step back, whether that's a deep breath and just removing Mm -hmm. yourself for a moment and looking at the bigger picture Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure most of us can look back in our lives and reflect on the challenges we've had that in the moment we weren't able to see the the gift in in it or the direction that it may be leading us to. And so, yeah, this is good. Thank you for that. Mm So let's talk also a little bit about, because you have so much knowledge in so many areas. And I know one of the things that you know a lot about is is how stress or anxiety impacts the body and how it manifests in the body. And of, of course, a lot of our listeners are in the middle of it right now. Yep, you yep. know, they're experiencing that. And so can you talk a little bit about that piece for folks? Yeah. So oftentimes I've got, you know, folks who will tell me like, oh, I got stomach aches more often, or what I like to say for me, I often hold it in my shoulders. And so I'm like, so my shoulders are up to my ears, right? You know, my shoulders have gone up. I've lost my neck. And sometimes it's as simple as taking a deep breath, pulling the shoulders down and back that can help as you're taking into your nose, out through your mouth, for your breathing and belly breathing, not chest breathing can help just relax a little bit. So if you've got a lot of stomach aches, if you're finding you're getting a lot of headaches and maybe you get migraines set on by stress, 
all of those are often kind of the, the warning signs of the body, or there's a ton of tension. Maybe it's in one shoulder, one leg, or certain part of your back. It's paying attention to that. It's like, okay, what does that part need right now? Maybe it's, I need just to rub my left shoulder. Maybe I need to do a few stretches. Maybe I need to go take a small walk. It's drinking water. Oftentimes people are dehydrated because they're not drinking enough water. And when we pay attention to those things, because the body is constantly talking, then it's like, oh yeah, I'm taking care of everybody else but me. And if I don't take care of me, you know, the old adage, it's like, you know, you're, you're the empty teacup and it's like, you've got nothing else to give. And so often, you know, I would get the pushback over the years from folks in various stages of life from youngers to, to older folks. And they're just like, but I don't have time to take care of myself. I'm like, you don't have five or 10 minutes to pause for you. When you're in the shower, taking a shower, visualizing the day's stress, leaving your body or envisioning as the, the, the shower water is coming over you, you're feeling replenished before the day has started. When you're brushing your teeth, stay brushing your teeth. And then other solutions often bubble up. At least they do for me as I'm brushing my teeth, different thoughts or uh, how to solve something will bubble up because I'm in the moment. Those five or 10 minutes, that's mindfulness. That's like a moving meditation. That's all self-care. And that may be all you can do in where you're at right now in life, but it's totally possible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're, you're bringing up so many good points. One of the things that you said that really I wanted to highlight is that our bodies are always talking to us. Yep. And how often we're not listening. Mm-hmm. So then our body gets louder. Yep. And louder. Yep. <laughs> so we have no choice but to listen. And yeah. the other thing that I'm thinking about, about what you said, and I just heard this on a, I was listening to another podcast this morning and it was actually Dr. Zach Bush. He's just a beautiful man. I was listening to him talk and he was talking about how somebody had pe- people in general will tell him, I don't have enough time. And let me tell you, I relate to that. And I know a lot of our listeners relate to that too. Mm -hmm. And how we spend so much of our, like our concept of time, we spend so much time in our, in our minds and our, in our thoughts and we're not present in the moment and we will spend hours. I mean, if you really add it up throughout the day, hours, sometimes thinking about the thought that we don't have enough time or that we're Mm -hmm. so stressed out or that we wish we had this or that. And you're just highlighting this point of if we can get out of our minds and really be in the moment and and listen to our bodies, what a gift. It's almost creating a moment of timelessness. You're in the shower and you're envisioning the water washing away the stress. Or Mm -hmm. like you said, you're brushing your teeth and you're just noticing the fact that you're brushing your teeth and how that feels on your gums and how you're holding the toothbrush and the smells and and things that come with that. Those moments are creating moments of timelessness and Mm -hmm. detachment from the current stress state. And in my clientele, both clinically and coaching wise, they're often very much like uh, they're calling like very much in their head. And it's not necessarily about caregiving, but I know as a caregiver, you are a lot in your head because you're making decisions all the time. You're paying attention to what that person needs or person's need, but the overthinking, the overanalyzing that being up cerebral all the time. Yeah. We're, we're disconnected. So I'm like, let's get your body into the session as well as your mind and head that's in the session already. And the more we 
practice the connection between our, our mind, body, and also the spirit, right? That's the full connection. Then we're open to receive information that is more from universe, more from the divine. You're open to hearing other people's possibilities or maybe support that you weren't because you're just like, I got this, I can do this. And it's paying attention that perfectionism is also not trying to drive the show because it's often very fear-based. And when we're present, we're not in the past, we're not in the future, we're, this is the moment I have right now. And I'll never have this moment again. And there is a, a peacefulness with that. There's a freedom with that when we allow ourselves to be in the moment. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're not planning for things that maybe you've got to do down the road, but it's like, if I'm constantly in that future. Anxiety, of course, is going to be running a lot of that show when we live there. Yeah. And I, I'm also thinking about how we've really programmed our brains to live in that state mm-hmm. unintentionally, of course, mm-hmm. you know, all of this, we we're doing the best we can and we, right. we have the best intention. We're trying hard to do everything right. And we feel like we're, we're always chasing the problem sometimes. But what I know happens is that our brains get programmed, you know, yep, those yep. little neurons, those yes, connecting. Connecting. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then that's our go. That's our, that's um, our autopilot. That's yep. our automatic go-to state. When we wake up in the morning, it's like, turn mm-hmm. it back on and it just runs itself. So I can see Nicole, as you're talking that it might feel like some effort at first for people to bring themselves back out of their head mm-hmm. and back into their body. Well, and like you're saying, the effort is it's because it be, the, the chaoticness, that's what I'll call it. That's why I typically label it for my clients. It's like, well, I got used to the chaos. I know how to run myself. It's like, yes. And you also know how to drain yourself by living in that state of being. So it's now become the habit, right? We can very easily create anxious habits. And so to unlearn it, it feels uncomfortable at first. It doesn't feel like, Oh, I just knew this over here. And it's like, that's great. Your ego really knew it. Your body kind of knew it. Your head kind of knew it, but to practice it for a, you know, a couple of weeks straight again, five, 10 minutes a day, that's not a lot. And that does make big changes in the brain. It grows the gray matter. We know that it starts to change those connections. Like you're saying in the brain. And all of a sudden you're recognizing like, I actually remember what I had for lunch today. Oh my gosh. I, I remember I had my cup of coffee this morning and I drank it slowly listening to the birds, right? All those very simple things keep you grounded for longer throughout the day versus I got to shove down the cup of coffee and then I I'm drinking too much coffee. So the caffeine creates more anxiety for me. And then I'm going, 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 and I'm forgetting to deep breathe. And so I'm breathing from my chest and my vagus nerve is getting smaller. So I've just generated more anxiety, right? And pretty soon you're like jittery all the time. And you're not present. You know, you're bringing up another point I'm thinking of, and that is a lot of people that I, many caregivers are concerned about their own memory. Because they're caring for someone, whether it's a parent or a spouse that is losing their memory. And so there's a fear that's the fear component that's added to their experience. But then one of the things that I I know is that when you're not fully present Mm -hmm. in what you're doing, the information doesn't even go in. (laughs) There's no opportunity to create memory. (laughs) No. And I hear that as well from folks that they're like, I think I'm losing my memory. And I'm, so they're describing stuff that's been going on for a while. And they're again, not necessarily caregiving for folks. And like, that's called anxiety. 
So like you're saying, yeah, when you are not present, when you're not being mindful, where you're not being intentional with your thoughts or where you are, you won't be able to concentrate as well. You're absolutely not going to put anything into long-term. You're going to forget what those car keys are. And so it's like, give yourself some grace, knowing that you've got some stress going on. But if you keep practicing small amounts of mindfulness every day, you'll start to see an improvement with that. So let me ask another question because some people know exactly what we're talking about. They say mindfulness and other folks don't, you know, they Mm -hmm. just haven't really been exposed to the idea. And so, so when we say things like, oh, practice being mindful throughout the day, what exactly, like, what are, what are some go-to tools or tips or yeah, give us, give, give our listeners some ideas about things they can do. Yeah. So again, like when you're brushing your teeth, brush your teeth, when you're in the shower, take a shower, pay attention to how much shampoo you're actually putting on your hand, washing your hair. If you have hair, I know some people don't, you know, so it's like, however you clean yourself, you're paying attention to that. I encourage my clients when they go out for walks, you're observing things. Mindfulness is about observing thoughts. And we have constant thoughts flowing through our head constant scenery stuff is going on. Visual stuff is coming in auditory, all that good stuff is coming in. You're observing it. You're not attaching to it. You're not trying to make meaning of it. Cause we know humans are meaning making machines, but we're not there to be like, well, that tree is bending on its side and it must be rotten because the wind is blowing too much. It's like, I see that the tree limbs are moving. I feel the wind on my face. I feel the sun on my face. I feel the warmth. Those are all observations. Got it. That's really really helpful. Yeah, that's really helpful because I notice one of two things for myself when I'm out on a, throughout my day, whatever Mm -hmm. I'm doing, it's, I'm either not present at all. I, my Mm -hmm. mind is completely somewhere else, or I'm doing what you just described, which is, oh, I notice I'm petting my dog (laughs) and Mm -hmm. then I notice, oh, his nails need trimmed or I should give him a bath or, you know, I just go right back onto the the loop of the, the tasks perform. And so what I hear you saying is, which we often hear when, when folks talk about meditating or, or this or that is notice the thought it's okay to have thoughts. We're human beings and we will have thoughts, notice the thought, and then let, let it, it go. go. Come back into the senses, come back yeah. into the, the body. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. Yeah. You said something else earlier too, that I wanted to ask you to maybe talk a little about you mentioned the word perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is a word that a lot of our listeners might relate to in that so many people that I know they're caring for a loved one, whether it's a, a, an adult child caring for a parent mm-hmm. or a spouse caring for their partner or another family member or friend. Most people that end up in that sort of caregiving role are people that want to do a good job. They want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And many people are scrambling and they don't know, you know, we're not given a roadmap. We're not right. (laughs) You don't have a manual. This is how you do from the child birth of your child all the way through the death of a parent. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that handbook. I'm all good. Check. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Yeah. The people say, if I, if I know what to do, I can just do it. But we don't have that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I could go through the whole list of all the different hats that we have to wear as caregivers and whether that's being someone's partner or Mm -hmm. child, or, and then you go down the list of being an advocate, but you're also the nurse. You're also the 
the scheduler, the cook, mm-hmm. the cleaner, the taxi driver, the everything that we do during the day really ends up falling on caregivers' shoulders. And so, yeah, can you talk a little bit about helping people kind of navigate that desire to do it right and to be the the best in that role um, while also the impact that that can have on folks. So often perfectionism is the fear of what other people are going to think of you. And that, I mean, it can be any role you're in. So I got to be the perfect caregiver, the perfect parent, the perfect business owner, the perfect uh, spouse, perfect, whatever kid. Right. And I think women a lot are trained more so we know as a caregiver, but also like being perfect. Like you've got to do everything very, very well. Otherwise you may be looked at funny, right? Perfectionism though, can also look like the fear of not wanting to do something brand new because you may make a mistake, not being spontaneous at times, because again, what will people think? And just so afraid of what others may think of you. And it's like, well, it's none of your business. If they're not telling you what their thoughts are, then stay out of their lane, stay in your own lane. We know living is messy. We know when you are caring for somebody because we don't have the handbook for every answer on the planet and things continue to change, right? That it's like, you're doing the best that you can. When you get stuck in perfectionism, you also don't let in joy, you don't let in love, and you have a hard time being in the moment and letting in peace as well. So if somebody's like, well, why aren't you doing your caregiving this way? It's like, I didn't even know that way existed, but thank you for letting me know. Or I actually don't have the resources for doing that over here, right? Be where you are. But no one is saying that you have got to do everything perfectly as that caregiver for whoever it is you're caring. Nobody's stating it. If they are, they're not the one you're going to look to for support. Because unless they're going through what you're going through, uh-uh, they get outside the ring. It's like you go sit in those bleachers and you keep it up over there, but you don't get to take away my energy anymore. Yeah. And that would be what those boundaries are for. Yeah, that's really helpful because a lot of people experience that. Mm-hmm. Hey, have other people in their lives that show up when it's convenient for them. And they have a lot of opinions maybe about how things could, should, would go. So yeah, I think that's a really important reminder. You said, I love this. I wrote as you were talking that quote, perfectionism can keep out the joy and the love and the peace in your life. And I just wanted to highlight that again. I think that's a really important statement to for people to reflect on. It blocks you from receiving, right? Because in your mind, what often that I call that perfectionist part, remember, it's not all of you, it's a part of you. And if that part is popping forward, like, well, you're not doing this right. You can't seem to do this. I'm like, well, now you got a critic going on with a the perfectionist. They're battling it out, but it's going to keep telling you how wrong you are, how you keep messing up how maybe you even you suck at doing X, Y, and Z. And when that inner doubt continues to grow, it's hard to allow yourself moments of joy. It's hard to allow some happiness. It's like, why well, I, I can't have that because I did this so wrong, right? It's like, no, 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 you can have both. You can make mistakes and still laugh and feel love and feel joy. It's not an either or. Remember, we do a lot of either oring in our life and perfectionism is very much about all or nothing thinking. That's the cognitive distorted thinking that we call it in the therapy world, right? Or the black and white thinking. It's very rigid. And our job 
is to say, no, there's a lot of gray in life. What may work for one caregiver and how they've set up their caring and the driving and the this is and the that's beautifully, but maybe what works for you is two parts of it (laughs) because that's what works for you and whoever you're caring for. And that's okay. It doesn't need to look like anybody else's. Yeah. So if anybody needs to hear permission today, (laughs) then you're hearing it from, from us for sure. There is no one right way to do work. Yeah. I mean, you brought that up when, when you and I talked on, on our, on my show and just stuff, of course, I don't, I don't know anything about, and you're sharing, it's just like, well, if you've got an estranged parent, you know, you can do these things, you can do this thing. And I'm like, well, I'd only go this way with it. And it's like, yeah, cause that's what I knew. Right. But it's like, no, I didn't even know that wasn't even an option, but there it is. Yeah. If you're open to, if somebody is asking, you know, would you like to hear how I did it when I was caring for so-and-so that's asking first for your permission? Are you even open? And you get to say, no, if you don't want to hear you're like, I've had 50,000 suggestions today and I would want to tell everybody to stick it somewhere. No, I'm good. Then that's fine. But if, if there's more of a give and take in that dialogue, well, yeah, I would like to hear how you did manage this. Then you share that again, you still can leave it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a choice, yeah. but it's very different when someone asks if you want support or if you're open to hearing how they did something or what worked for them versus, well, or why aren't you doing it this way? That's wrong. You shouldn't have done it that way. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, again, credit, go sit outside somewhere else. Yeah. Don't have time or space for that. Yeah. I love this conversation because as we're talking, I am hearing us going back and forth between outside critics or advice, well-meaning or not so many well-meaning <laughs> folks, <laughs> also the internal yep. voices in our heads that are giving us those messages as well. Yeah. And so you're helping give us tools on having some helpful boundaries with those people in our lives that might be sharing in, in a not so helpful way. Mm-hmm. And you're giving us some helpful tools on how to also uh, manage the critic within our minds as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. first, if you recognize that part that's coming up internally and criticizing you, just recognize, oh, that and give it a name. I don't care if you call it the inner critic or whoever you, what name you give it. And sometimes you need to say, just go take a back seat. I'm the one driving the car today. You are not. You may need to write things down and actually look at it. It's like, okay, so my current hot thought is this. And is that really true? How true is that? Is there other options for it? You may just kind of go back and forth and you just recognize it's like, oh man, that's an all or nothing kind of thinking. And so no, it's like either you're going to get the routine down perfectly or you're not going to do it at all. It's like, oh no, that's not true. Sometimes I can make this time work and sometimes I can make this day or time work. And that both are okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one way only. Presenting the option to it's softening, like you said, instead of having the black or white thinking that there's a lot of gray. Yes. <laughs> okay to dip in and out of the gray. Yeah. Uh, that gray, the gray area can often be your friend. And yep. the other thing you said too that I liked was you said that that is only a part of you. Yeah. So it's I not think, all of you. Yeah, yeah. We identify so much with those loudest, strongest. Mm-hmm voices and messages in our, in our bodies and our minds. And so I love that reminder just for myself personally. And I'm sure for mm-hmm. our listeners too, that, that we don't have to identify just because we're having a thought even, or a feeling mm-hmm. we are not our feelings. We are, we right. do not have to be our thoughts and our feelings. We, right. we 
experience those thoughts and feelings. But there's a uh, metaphor, I guess, where uh, you've probably heard this too, that, that we are, that you are the sky, you are not mm-hmm. the weather. And Ooh, so like that. nice. I love mm-hmm. when I heard that too, it just resonated like, yes. I have, there's been a lot of storms lately Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, you know, sometimes there's blue sky and the sun is out, but that weather will come and go. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to identify with the weather. We don't have to identify with our emotions and, or even our thoughts. That just gives, that gave me anyway, a sense of distance, I guess, or or the spaciousness. When you say sky, I'm thinking like, you were endless, right? In that moment. So it's like, I can watch the storms roll in and I watch them dissipate, roll in, dissipate, form, change. So it's the same thing with all of our thoughts and emotions. There, there's not, there's no permanence with any of that. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 This is great, Nicole. I love our conversations that we have together and tell us, is there any of other, before we wrap up, I'm curious if you have any favorite self-care methods or just ideas that you might want to throw out for folks that, that might be helpful. I know for me, cause again, I'm a, a, an HSP it's one being in nature. We know that whether you're an HSP or not is a huge calming factor for people. It literally just, it calms people down. It calms the brain down. So whether you can physically be out in nature, you can look out a window and see trees, the sun or something that can help just bring you back to the moment, help you kind of calm back down. If you're feeling really anxious or worried about something, I often say when you're really in your head, get out paper, just, just blot it down, just put it down, just dump it, do a brain dump. That's what I was looking for. Brain dump it down because I like to say the brain likes to be this little hamster in a wheel and it's going to go around and around and around. Cause like, Oh, you're going to forget it. You're going to forget it. You're going to forget it. You're gonna... it's like, I am not going to forget it. It's like, but you are, you're going to get it. You're going to have this. I need to remind you 50,000 times. But as soon as you put it down on paper, don't worry about your grammar. Don't worry about spelling. Just throw it down on paper. One, you get to say, see, got it down now brain. You can stop, you know, re- regurgitating it to me. And sometimes literally laying that piece of paper down and taking 10 steps back can help you honestly get a different perspective. Cause you, again, you're not the thought just like what you were saying earlier. And I can look at, Oh, well, what's a different Avenue. Maybe it is okay for me to ask for help. Maybe I have stopped myself from asking for help. Cause I'm thinking I need to do it all again. I got to be perfect at this. Nope. So-and-so is here to visit. Maybe I will ask them to go to the grocery store and pick up these items while I'm doing this thing over here. Beautiful. Yeah. That's part of it right? It's not being afraid to ask others for help. They have the option to say no, know that, but Mm -hmm. asking is a big thing. Nobody can mind read and it doesn't make you less. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you somehow unworthy, or you can't do something by asking for help. It takes a tribe to raise children. It can take a tribe to care for somebody too. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Thank you for calling that out too. Cause I think what a lot of people experience is um, it, it taps into their fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, I, if I don't ask, I can't be rejected. So what's the worst part of being rejected, right? Again, it's the story. What's the story you're telling? Well, if I'm rejected, I, I suck as a person, well, whatever. Yeah. Yep, exactly. It, it, it's helpful to reframe it that way. That's great. Thank you, Nicole. I jotted those down. I'm going to include a lot of these in our show notes too, so that folks can easily go back and and find some of these tips and tools. 
So tell us, Nicole, how, if folks want to learn more about you or follow some of your work, what's the best way that they can reach out? Yeah. So my coaching website is this NicoleBurgessCoaching.com. And on that, there's a tab or a, yeah, I think it's a tab <laughs> navigation for, they can get to the Soulfield Sisterhood podcast and all the episodes are there. There's like 120 something or other there. I'm kind of on hiatus at the moment, but there's still tons that are out there from all the interviews I've done over the years. And then on social media, on, like I'm on Facebook, more on LinkedIn than anything, both of those on Facebook, it's Nicole Burgess coaching. And on LinkedIn, I think it's Nicole Burgess coaching. I know you'll have the links in the show notes, but yeah, those are the kind of the two places that I somewhat hang out on so they can find me that way. That's great. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a good conversation with you and I wish you well. And uh, I know that we will be in touch. I, again, I'm kind of a big fan of your work myself. So, (laughs) well, thank you for having me on. And I'm so happy you have created this podcast. I know you've had a big following within your own group for people, but you're just reaching so many more people who who are really going through so much with caregiving. And I think what you're doing is extremely valuable. So thank you for doing your work too. Thanks, Nicole. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have comments or would like to send us a message, you can send it to hello at lifeonrepeatpodcast.com. Please also consider following us at Life on Repeat Podcast either on Instagram or Facebook. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute, nor is it meant to convey professional, legal, psychological, financial, or medical advice. If you can use such services, please seek them out from someone you trust.